This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. The short squeeze put to hedge funds and other big players in the stock market last week surprised almost everyone. How does the game change going forward, both in terms of what exactly counts as market manipulation and whether or not any of the players involved did anything wrong? Cato's Jennifer Shelf and Matthew Feeney spoke with me yesterday for a live edition of the Cato Daily Podcast. Let's begin with you, Jennifer. Uh, the name Short Squeeze pre-existed this event. And so uh, to begin with, what do we know about the Short Squeeze? What is it and uh, how often does it happen? The Short Squeeze isn't anything new. Um, what's new here is the fact that it was instigated by a bunch of retail investors. Um, short Squeeze is, say a I won't say a time-honored tradition, but but it's a technique that's that's existed for a long time, wherein um, s- investors who hold um, securities hold them as a an interesting term here when we're talking about shorts. So investors who hold short positions in securities um, get squeezed out by those who are acting um, to make the stock price rise. Um, and they they get squeezed out because as their short posi- the price rises, their short position um, becomes increasingly expensive. And what's interesting about the short squeeze is it creates a, a feedback loop because in order to kind of decrease the price of holding that short position, they need to get out. And one of the ways to do that is by buying the stock, which pushes the price of the stock up even further. Um, so uh, this has happened at, l- at least notably uh, not that long ago. Like in 2018, I remember a couple of companies being subject of short squeezes. Uh, who's typically doing it? It's typically being done by sophisticated institutional holders against each other. Um, this would be the type of activity that that a hedge fund might uh, employ against other hedge funds um, when they disagree with the the short position. Um, it, it's the type of activity that you might see from um, institutional or lar- larger holders of long positions in stock. Um, that are frustrated or upset with companies betting against the success of those positions. Um, it, what's unusual here is that it that it came from a kind of dispersed uh, sector, uh, the retail investor. So, uh, Matthew, this was largely driven by uh, social media. Um, and what was the response to when this event was actually unfolding, it seemed that uh, Reddit uh, and and Facebook and Discord all had sort of quick responses that didn't really pass the smell test initially. That's right. I think in uh, so far this year, we have seen social media in the news for a few reasons. I, I think after the, the storming of the Capitol building, um, the whole global news focused on the social media companies and were asking questions about how these companies should deal with politically extreme ideas and conspiracy theories. And then last week, that conversation seemed to have shifted onto, well, how is it that a collection of people on Reddit can uh, cause hedge funds to lose uh, all, all of this money? And there were uh, actions taken against uh, the the initial, uh, the, 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 
people who are acting on Reddit, as well as a Discord channel uh, and a Facebook group. Uh, now, I, my, my understanding is that all of these decisions have since been reversed, but there was a feeling that uh, there was a, a, an amount of pressure being put on these social media companies to halt this kind of activity. Uh, because as, as Jennifer noted, this kind of activity is... is uh, relatively new, this idea that thousands of people who don't know each other can meet online, uh, keep an eye on the market and figure out ways to make money off uh, hedge funds that are shorting stock. Um, it's it's new and interesting, and it does uh, fit into, I think, a broader discussion about online content moderation. Yeah, but the, the, the uh, at least stated reason why these companies, uh, the social media companies were shutting down these chat rooms was uh, they'd been warned about, I guess, language or threats or naughty words that they would use in these channels. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so when Discord banned the Wall Street Bet server, it did cite violations of the community guidelines. Um, so that includes things like uh, hate speech and glorifying violence, the spread of misinformation. Uh, and it's also, I think, true that the Facebook uh, Robinhood stock traders group was also taken down. Uh, and this was because of violations related to adult sexual exploitation. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people took a look at this and thought, well, there must be something else going on here. Uh, this has to be related to what happened to GameStop and, and AMC. Uh, but this, um, I think, raises questions that have been asked for years now about how transparent these social media companies should be when it comes to their content moderation decisions. Because oftentimes, it might be easier to make a statement like this, uh, say it was about hate speech, when in fact, you just wanted to uh, prevent pressure coming down on you from Wall Street. Uh, Jennifer, the, uh, the social media wasn't the only uh group that was shutting down activity, Robinhood, and uh, as we've learned since uh, the the big trading day, uh, that also some other online trading platforms were either suspending trades in a few stocks or several stocks, um, and uh, that made a lot of people immediately furious uh, that this long-planned uh, activity was uh, not going as well as they had hoped. So we know now that there are at least some regulatory hurdles that mean that online trading platforms were short of cash. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And it's completely understandable that investors here would be upset by not being able to make the trades that they wanted to make. Um, they rely on their brokerage platform to provide them the access. But it's not at all unusual for brokerage platforms to have to restrict trading in certain securities or under certain circumstances when situations are unusual. Um, that's not to say that investigations here won't turn up facts that we don't know right now about Robin Hood's decisions or about Schwab's decisions. Uh, who knows? But but this idea of restricting uh, the trading is is not unusual. Uh, with the increase in the rapid increase in GameStop's price and the volatility in the price, um, the clearing company, which is kind of a back-end stock process that most of us don't talk about very often because we don't need to, um, required a significant amount more capital from these brokerage platforms in order to make the clearing process work. Um, what's interesting, again, we don't think about this very often at all, is that it takes two days to clear a stock trade. 
Um, and during those two days, the liability and the risk for that trade stays on the books of the brokerage. And as the stock price increases and as the stock price gets a little bit wild, it costs more to keep that liability for the brokerage platform. Uh, again, it's hard to say without knowing exactly what Robinhood, for example,'s finances look like, but it's not crazy at all to say or to think that this type of financial stress might have led Robinhood to limit the trading in order to keep the rest of their trading going or to in order to avoid breaking other SEC rules and regulations about how much cash they need to have on hand. At least in the short run, it looked like Robinhood was just hemorrhaging furious customers for a day or more. Uh, but presumably all online platforms face these same regulatory hurdles. They do. Um, this is similar regulation across all all areas for the brokerage industry. But but each brokerage house has a, a different way of handling their finances. Um, some of these companies have a much bigger pool to draw on um, when they are online trading platforms that are being operated by, say, Merrill Lynch or Charles Schwab. Um, Robin Hood's newer to the game and may have a different um, backup of capital in order to do that. So there are options out there for retail traders if they want to understand a little bit more about how their brokerages are capitalized. Um, I expect that's a, a level of detail that most people don't want to get into, understandably. But um, again, the fact that it, Robinhood and some others took this step, but other brokerages didn't, is not in and of itself suspicious. All right. Matthew, from the right, we have heard these calls for uh, getting rid of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, or at least uh, hemming it in. Um, and we've also heard from people like Elizabeth Warren that certain lies online uh, ought to be criminalized. We've seen at least one arrest uh, related to campaign violations of somebody who is posting memes suggesting that uh, uh, people should vote via text, which of course is never an option. And so uh, how how might this event uh, spur people to think the same or differently about the degree to which uh, the government ought to regulate online speech? It's a good question because I think we're used to the discussions about online speech being centered around conspiracy theories or uh, the political situation. And uh, certainly from the political left, it's not uncommon to hear uh, people discussing reforms to address misinformation. And usually when that's discussed, it's in the context of political misinformation. Uh, and this, of course, became a, a really big talking point during the last election. But uh, this, I think, could shift the conversation into something else, uh, which is uh, misinformation about uh, a different sector of, of the economy. Uh, the, the difficult thing here, though, is that it's, it's not clear to me, and maybe Jennifer will, will, might know more about this, it's not clear to me what misinformation necessarily was spread, at least in the original Reddit, um, the Reddit group. Now, I didn't check out every uh, you know, every post or, you know, I wasn't exactly that familiar with it, but it doesn't seem as if there's been a strong allegation that there was uh, market manipulation based on total misinformation. And my understanding is that the group uh, just highlighted a few 
uh, a few stocks that were that were being shorted. Uh, but nonetheless, there may be calls for these social media companies to aggressively step up their moderation of this kind of behavior, even if it's um, just the communication of true information. And that would certainly be well within their right under the First Amendment. Uh, Jennifer, I don't want to say a lot of the usernames that were uh, among the people who were behind this uh, short squeeze on uh, GameStop and um, AMC shorts, uh, but is there any chance that those people could be compelled somehow to say, oh, well, here's who I am, and uh, here I, I, in, in the interest of transparency, I, because I'm saying, hey, guys, go out and buy this, buy this stock. Uh, that those people might face some additional scrutiny from the SEC or others? I think those people are definitely going to face additional scrutiny from the SEC, um, assuming the SEC can track them down through through usernames. I think many of them will not have true anonymity. And there are reasons that the SEC will want to take a look there, even if what you're looking at is a bunch of true information, um, which is what we at this point, seem to think it is. There's been little suggestion that there's been misinformation spread. To the extent that some of the people on Wall Street Bets or on other Reddit forums are involved in the financial industry so that they're registered brokers or uh, otherwise, they might have additional duties to the public to either disclose that or disclose their conflicts of interest in saying so that the SEC would regulate. So while that doesn't constitute fraud or market manipulation necessarily in and of itself, I'm sure that the SEC is going to be looking here to make sure that the people that were talking were appropriately disclosing um, their positions to the extent that they needed to. But they won't be fiduciaries for the purpose of uh, providing online stock picks for free. No, that seems unlikely. Um, but there are situations where providing advice, but not um, not disclosing the fact that you are a licensed broker or encouraging people to buy while you are simultaneously selling can be problematic. Shorts, that is the group of people who tend to take negative positions on stocks that is betting bet on them to go down. Um, th- that's inherently risky. The losses theoretically, are unlimited. They're only limited to the extent a stock can go up, right? Uh, So uh, what these retail traders did in putting the short squeeze on these head funds that were largely betting negative, uh, they were extracting money essentially directly in some cases from the hedge funds. Melvin Capital was down 50, more than 50%, I think. Uh, in terms of uh, its value over the weekend. Who is saying there's something wrong with that? Well, people are saying there's something wrong with just about everything if, if you listen to what people are saying. Um, there, there's an argument for that is being made on basically all sides um, as to um, everyone being in the wrong at this point. It's, it's kind of whiplash to figure out um, exactly what the arguments are. Um, really, this is a function of the market operating. Um, anytime a stock goes up, you have winners and losers. When the stock comes down, you typically have winners and losers. And here it turns out that the winners largely right now are retail traders. Um, although that's not to say that there aren't other players in the game right now. 
Um, I think that it's highly unlikely that retail traders are the only ones pushing the stock up at the moment, although the stock's down a little bit today. Um, I'm sure that there are other institutional investors, there are other hedge funds, um, there are other professional investors involved at this point. Um, so those that want the stock to go up are winning, and those that wanted it to go down are losing. Um, this is not an unusual situation. I've heard, uh, what was it, uh, over the weekend or I guess late last week, uh, the Biden administration, uh, the, or his uh, press secretary said the President Biden is monitoring the game, the situation at GameStop. Um, and of course, members of Congress have sort of fallen all over themselves to ally themselves with whoever the good guys are, which uh, at least for a little while seem to be the uh, retail traders. Um, but the only, the only person I was really interested in hearing from on all of this was Elizabeth Warren. Because she's obviously very smart. She understands banking really well, but also has this power to the people uh, mentality. And do I do I understand correctly that she's broadly has a problem with short selling? She absolutely has a problem with short selling. Although in the letter that she sent to the SEC, she seems to have a problem with almost everyone in this situation. Um, she's called for the hedge funds to stop short selling because short selling is not valuable economic behavior, um, which I would dispute pretty strongly that short selling provides valuable information to the market. Um, and I think it's a wise idea in any event that if you're going to let people bet that something's going to go up, it also makes sense to let them bet that it's going to come down. Um, she's also complained that, uh, you know, the retail traders here might be engaging in market manipulation and that the SEC needs to step in and make sure that the market maintains its integrity. So she's she's thrown out darts on both sides of the situation um, while walking a very narrow path to try to protect the individual trader who who might not understand what's going on here from, from harm. Of course, we all want to protect people that don't understand what's going on from harm. But she's she's really kind of cast her net far and wide looking for bad behavior here. Uh, you and I spoke about this a little bit last week, but I want both of you to, to comment on it. One of the I, I don't know what you'd call it. One of the nice stories that sort of come out of all this was that AMC, the movie theater company, was able to wipe out $600 million in debt in a day. And uh, what seemed like the, uh, a company that was on the rocks, they certainly seem quite a bit less on the rocks uh, this week than they did a week ago today. So, uh, uh Matthew, that it should tell tell us that there is power in social media of people deciding with a with a, you know a fair, fairly specific opportunity, we can help out companies that we like. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this is certainly a new and innovative strategy. And you know, me personally, I'm not exactly a huge fan of movie theaters, so maybe there's another company I would have preferred to have seen <laughs> uh, rescued in, in the wake of this. But it's certainly interesting to see that if you get thousands of people together to uh, take on or isolate a company that they 
uh, that I de- they identify with or they feel sorry for, this seems to be uh, some kind of new innovative strategy that may work in the long run. Although that said, there's hardly a great business model to rely on the the sympathy of Reddit users to you know help your company out. Uh, and you know we should keep in mind that uh, this is a strategy that I think there may be a crackdown on specific Reddit users. But we should keep in mind that this this whole discussion may move into the encryption space. It's very, very difficult to monitor, and indeed that's by design, to monitor encrypted channels. And all of these people who view this as a way to get rich quick or to uh, give the finger to hedge funds or whatever you will, will find a way to do this out of sight of law enforcement. So I think we should expect this kind of activity to make its way into the encryption debate pretty soon. Uh, And Jennifer, to you, uh, would Elizabeth Warren or others say that what happened to AMC uh, their stock price and triggering uh, convertible bonds to turn into relatively low-priced stock. Um, is that market manipulation? And if so, what's wrong with it? Look, I think Elizabeth Warren might have some problem with it because she has a problem with um, the stock market not reflecting, as she kind of puts it, reality. And in her view, the fundamentals of AMC show that it should not be doing as well as these Reddit users want it to be doing. I think that's a problem, and I think it's the wrong way to look at this. Um, When you talk in the stock market, you you tend to talk about fundamentals um, of of a company. Um, So it's it's revenues, it's losses um, as, as an absolute um, as an objective standard. But I think what this shows us and can show us, depending on how things play out in the long run, is that a company's fundamentals are not so much objective as subjective in some ways. Um, here with AMC, investors may very well have been signaling that they're not interested in going to the movie theaters now, but they want to see movie theaters exist in a year or two. And this is their voice for being able to make that happen. Um, again, there's it's very dangerous to, to ascribe a single motivation to a group of retail investors, and particularly a group as large as the ones that have been making these actions happen. But I think it's really worthwhile to think about the fact that people can be voting with their money here and voting with their voices about the types of companies that they think deserve support um, in a way that they really didn't have the market power to necessarily do so before. And and activist investing is nothing new. Absolutely. Um, activist investing is, is a common um, strategy with not only um, hedge funds and others, but um, some individuals get into that game as well. Uh, Matthew, what is the risk here uh, if this act, this activity that has been largely conducted in public, if you were looking for it, uh, gets pushed underground or gets pushed to channels that can't nobody can monitor? Well, it certainly makes it harder to monitor when when laws get broken. Uh, so the the FBI and the SEC will want to keep on channels like this because there is, of course, the possibility of of market manipulation and for laws to be broken. Uh, the the issue, though, I, I think is that uh, something we haven't discussed is that there's potentially uh, interference from foreign adversaries uh, manipulating this kind of uh, tactic. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too Tom Clancy here or anything, but uh, I think something that isn't appreciated uh, enough is that there seems to be a new innovative 
uh, strategy here that foreign adversaries could use, um, especially if you manage to secure true anonymity and you get into these sort of channels. Uh, it raises the possibility of um, certain kinds of interference that would be uh, quite disturbing to people up in government, for sure. What would be the SEC's response to something like that, Jennifer? Uh, to foreign interference in our markets? Um, <laughs> I think the SEC would have a pretty good grounds for taking a look. Again, if there's activity that, that rises to a level of market manipulation, and market manipulation has traditionally required some sort of fraud or deception, um, which we don't see here. I mean, the, the chat rooms that say chat rooms, Reddit threads, uh, online forum uh, are nothing new in stock picking. Uh, this is something since essentially the beginning of the internet and the beginning of widespread activity in the internet. We, we can trace back these types of conversations taking place in public on the internet to, to the late 90s and complaints then about how it fueled um, tech stock bubble and a day trading boom in the late 90s. So I think that there's some value that people find in having public conversations about their stock picks. So I would hope that it doesn't all move into encrypted space. Um, I think this is one way people can learn about how to, about how to invest um, and do it from kind of a pretty democratic angle. So um, I know hedge funds get a lot of uh, people don't like them and for whatever reason, uh, but do they perform well? Are there, uh, do they deliver for the people who buy into hedge funds? That's a pretty broad question because, uh, the concept some, some do, fund, I'm sure. Yes, and said because the concept of a hedge fund is actually pretty broad, and when you think about a hedge fund, the original name of it um, was meant to hedge against other investments. Hedge funds these days operate in many other strategic places than just serving as investment hedges. Uh, on the whole, hedge funds are an expensive place to keep your money. Um, managers tend to take very big chunks of earnings. Um, they're not necessarily a great place to invest if you are not comfortable with that. Um, and the, the chunks of earnings tend to make a lot of hedge funds underperform. But that said, depending on the strategy, uh, they can be a great addition to a portfolio that needs it. Uh, so I think it's, it's always bad to paint anything with a really broad brush. And I think it's particularly unwise to do that in the hedge fund space. Given the salience of this moment of the fact that we've ha had this massive short squeeze that has uh, rattled uh, some larger investors uh, in this process, has sh is shorting going to go away or is shorting going to be maybe not always a preferred way of uh, expressing displeasure with a stock? Perhaps, but uh, I think we'll still see shorting. Sure, but I mean, the, the, the risk... The risks here seem out of nowhere, and it's uncertain. I guess I guess it's more uncertainty than it is risk, uh, because this was something that broadly was just not foreseen to to happen. Now, I think we'll see some innovation in the hedge fund space or in the short selling space that might um, hedge again to use that word um, their investments differently, but. Shorting has always been risky. 
um, it's always a high risk, potentially high reward situation. And there will be a space for that in the markets. Um, I don't think this is going to change that. And I think that institutional investors that are pursuing these types of strategies will take into account the possibility of a, a retail movement or other unexpected movement against them um, when they're when they're defining that strategy. I mean, we're already starting to see it happen as they as they react to this situation. Um, these companies, their their decision making isn't set in stone. Um, they'll evolve, um, and I expect that the retail traders will evolve as well. Jennifer Shelp directs financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. Matthew Feeney directs Cato's project on emerging technologies. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 